0: Here we are, officially in the holiday season. Now, depending on your business, you're either winding things down for a quiet spell, maybe a bit of a rest, or more than likely, it's one of the busiest times of the year for you. Now, more than ever, there's a call to shop local, shop small, especially this time of year. But there's also an opportunity for those local small businesses to make a big impact in their own communities, an opportunity to give back. And that giving doesn't always have to mean money are many other ways a business can give back. But why give back, you might ask? Because it's just good business. I'd like to welcome my co-host for this month, David Litwin. David, thank you for coming back on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Al. Uh, how's it going, by the way? Are you feeling a bit better? Better than what? Well, last month, it sounded like you weren't really in the The holiday spirit. Oh, well, I'm over that
0: now. I'm 100% in now. I got the tree up, I hung the lights outside, I took the kids to the parade. I'm listening to a lot of Mariah Carey. But you know what my favorite part of the season is? What's that? How charitable people feel this time of year. Did you know that according to givingtuesday.ca, $50 million was donated by Canadians in that 24-hour period?
1: Yeah, it is the season of giving. But, you know, I've got some great data that shows donations are actually up throughout the year. Really? Yes. And you know what kind of donations are trending upwards?
0: Let me guess. Contactless.
1: That's right. How did you know?
0: Well, you sent me the report prior to this recording, but also I remember this time last year, I had Mark Jordan on from TipTap and I loved what they were doing in that space.
1: Our partners at TipTap have definitely contributed to the growth of contactless donations by making it easier to give with just the tap of your card or digital wallet. Mm -hmm. And based on total dollars, contactless transactions make up roughly 10 to 15 percent of donation volume.
0: So those smaller amounts, they can add up
1: pretty quickly. Absolutely. And to illustrate that, we see the share of contactless transactions getting closer to 50%.
0: So many more transactions just for smaller amounts.
1: As you said it, it all adds up. And you say this is true throughout the year? Yes. And the busiest time of the year, other than December. What is it? Summer. Oh. In July, contactless volume peaks at 15% and share of transaction count peaks at almost 50%, 48% to be exact.
0: Wow. So this is true across the country?
1: Yes. Year over year in Canada, contactless volume is up about 22%, mm-hmm. while transaction share is up 18%. And the two provinces that saw the most growth, Quebec, followed by Manitoba.
0: Amazing. I can't wait to see what December brings. So what do you have lined up this week? Well, we're going to continue the charity theme in our featured interview with Helen Seibel. She's the head of community and employee giving at BMO. Uh, We're going to talk about why it's important to give back to the community and how small businesses are best suited to do just that.
1: That sounds like a great topic.
0: It is. And we'll have our regular visit from our resident data expert, Sean McCormick. Sean has some very early consumer spending data from this year's Black Friday. You're not going to want to miss.
1: I saw the report on LinkedIn. It was interesting to see what segments showed the biggest increases this year. Yes. And we'll definitely talk about those.
0: Then I'm going to switch gears and talk to Kat Hamilton and Wayne Henshaw from the Canadian Institute for the Blind about accessibility. They've got some great advice for small business owners on how to be more accessible to those with disabilities.
1: This is a pretty jam packed episode.
0: Yes, it is. So let's begin with my chat with Helen Seibel from BMO. I'm joined by Helen Seibel. She's a head of community and employee giving at BMO. Helen, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: So it's December and it's the festive season. It's also a charitable season. So a lot of people are looking to give back to the community. There's a lot more giving happening to charity. So let's start with maybe what you do at BMO as the head of community and employee giving. What exactly do you do?
2: So I look after all of our community giving efforts across Mm -hmm. the bank. So in Canada and the United States. And these are not just our philanthropic activities. So with our corporate dollars, Mm -hmm. but also building programming that recognizes and rewards and encourages giving and volunteerism from our employees. Okay. So I look at it from both sides.
0: Can you maybe give some examples of some of the programs that you guys run at BMO?
2: So we are definitely in the giving season. You are right with that in your introduction. Tuesday, November the 28th was Giving Tuesday. And that is a day that really encourages giving behavior around the world. It's internationally recognized. On Giving Tuesday, we typically launch our annual employee giving campaign here at BMO. And last year, our employees donated more than $31 million to thousands of charities across North America. We enjoyed an 88% participation rate. So this was in 2022. Mm -hmm. So we've kicked off our campaign for this year. It will run for two weeks and we expect a similar level of generosity from our employees in 2023. And this is just one example of the kinds of programs that I manage through and with my team that are available to employees across BMO.
0: Now, why is it important for a company like BMO to give back to the community like this?
2: Generally speaking, I think the public has an expectation that companies will give back and address issues that are present in the communities where they operate and where their employees and their customers live. We have a responsibility that goes beyond our bottom line. Some people call it corporate social responsibility. You may have heard that term or being a good corporate citizen. There are also increased expectations from prospective employees. Young people or people who are looking to change jobs increasingly want to work for a company that has principles and values that align with their own. And so, engaging, making programs available that are socially focused, that help people get engaged in the community, that's something that top talent, great employees are looking for in a company. And that's something that we offer here at BMO.
0: Your participation rate is 88%. That's pretty impressive. Can you talk maybe a bit about how? You got it that high?
2: I do think that this is the campaign, the way we approach it. It is really part of the culture at BMO. We have been running this campaign for many years. Sure. like So over time, the awareness levels of the campaign and what it means are really present for employees. So I think that's part of it. But I would also say we have really visible and active senior leadership and engagement in the campaign. So the example is that from the top down, this is our most senior executives walking the talk and explaining why. And there's lots of different ways that we bring the information to our employees. So this isn't a pressure game by any stretch. This is an opportunity to help our employees understand what the needs are in the communities. And we do find that people are generous just by nature. Mm -hmm. And so they are giving And over time, they're giving through and during our campaign, which makes it easier for them to give. We have a platform that offers all different kinds of charities they can choose from, causes that they might be interested in. And then we bring the need to the forefront so that they can make an informed decision.
0: What you're talking about here is on a corporate and global scale. But a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or small businesses. Can you think of any kind of ways where a smaller business might be able to give back to the community?
2: Absolutely. I actually think small businesses have such a great opportunity to give back because they tend to be very localized. They know their community, they're embedded in their community. And it doesn't have to be a major formal program. It could be something as simple as do you have a space you could offer to someone? Is there a committee that you want to sit on at a charity that is in your neighborhood? Is there something that you can offer that is going to meet a need that you see immediately around you? And even something like maybe if you have a small employee base, perhaps you could go together to a food bank for an afternoon once a year and just volunteer your time doing something that addresses an immediate need that you see in your community.
0: So I think it's important to note, it doesn't always have to be a financial giving, but it could be just no. giving of your time or a product or service. I love the idea of if you're a smaller company, taking an afternoon, for example, last year with my team, we went to Second Harvest and we we sorted grocery food items from grocery stores for food banks. And that was a fun afternoon spent with our team. Very gratifying. Mm -hmm. And I forget how much food we sorted, but it was in the hundreds of pounds.
2: Oh, yeah. And I should add, like, this is the giving season. Absolutely. I think Right. right before the holidays, the weather's getting colder. There is a push for charity, whether it is giving your time or your talent or your dollars. But you can do it year round. And I think this is a time where charities often are approached a lot for things like volunteer activities and things. And it can be pressing and taxing on the charities and nonprofits themselves. So you can also consider spreading that type of activity out through the course of a whole year. Do a nice summer, paint an outdoor tennis court or plant a garden for a local charity in the summer. Those kinds of things are really great, fun team building activities and often really needed.
0: Yeah, you make a good point there, too. Around this time of year, many companies are trying to do these kind of charity team events. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more pressure on the charity to schedule these because they have so much demand at that point. So you mentioned uh, committees and stuff throughout the year. So it's not Mm -hmm. just about giving of money, but time and expertise. Can you provide some examples?
2: Another great way to get involved with charities in your community that doesn't involve giving dollars would be to consider whether they have like a committee that you could sit on or Mm -hmm. even if they have open board positions. As a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you have a specific skill set and actually a really great knowledge base. You're probably a very innovative and creative thinker to address all the challenges that you face day to day. Imagine how much those might benefit a nonprofit in your immediate community. It doesn't have to be a massive organization. The smaller grassroots organizations often will benefit even more from the kinds of knowledge, skills and expertise that a small business owner has to offer. And it doesn't have to be a huge time commitment either. So that's another way to get involved.
0: All right. So we've been talking a lot about how employees and at the grassroots level can give of their time and money. As a corporation, what's BMO doing?
2: So we actually have a 206-year legacy in the community of giving back. And in fact, one of the very first corporate donations that was ever recorded in Canada was a donation that the Bank of Montreal or Montreal Bank made to the Montreal Hospital back in 1835. Super interesting. Banks have been the cornerstone of their communities for many years. And often bank management, they were the philanthropists in their community. So it's really embedded in our culture. Super interesting history Mm -hmm. there. But like last year, for instance, as a sort of large and a leading company, we made more than $69 million worth of donations to charities and nonprofits across North America. And these donations were used to support a number of different areas from education and skills building to health and social services, including increasing the accessibility to the arts and culture, supporting emerging talent. There is a good variety of things that we support across the country, across the continent In fact.
0: Sounds amazing. So if anyone wanted to learn more about what BMO is doing in this space, where could they go?
2: They could go to our website, to BMO.com, or you could also take a look at our sustainability report, Mm -hmm. which is where we outline more examples about the kind of work we do. We also cover other areas around our environmental, social and governance investments, but that's where our community giving is outlined and that's available on BMO.com.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Helen.
2: No, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: now it's time for our Buy the Numbers segment, where we take a look at some real consumer spending data and see what story it tells. I'm joined once again by Sean McCormick, Director of Business Development at Moneris. Sean, thank you for joining me once again.
3: My pleasure. All exciting type of year for the spending industry.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I saw the post you posted on LinkedIn today, early for us to be able to get these Black Friday numbers, but some interesting results.
3: Yeah, they're generally the first ones to market here in Canada. So we're pretty proud of being able to get them out and help inform the policies and decision-making process of Mm -hmm. of Canadian businesses. So hopefully this kind of thing supports them. So there's two ways to look at Black Friday data. Right. Right. You can look at year over year, this Black Friday in 2023 versus last year's Black Friday in 2022, and that measures how much more spending was happening this Friday versus last Black Friday, Right. and not a huge increase, like just over 1%, 1.01%. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that in relation to Canada's inflation rate at being 3.1% year over year, right, that points in a direction of a step backwards mm-hmm. in terms of Canadians' fervor to spend money on Black Friday. Right. Now, the other measure for Black Friday is versus the previous calendar Friday, so seven days prior. Mm -hmm. So how did Black Friday perform versus the previous Friday of the calendar in terms of spending? And spending was up 17.5% across the Moneris network. Put that in perspective, last year, Black Friday versus the previous calendar Friday was only 14.5%. Oh, interesting. So... Canadians were a bit more compelled to be attracted to the shopping event that was Black Friday this year versus last year. However, if you look at the two spending events themselves, it was not gangbusters. Again, only up 1% in an inflationary environment.
0: Yeah, some obvious reasons there could be inflation and looming recession that we're always hearing about, right?
3: Looming recession and looming mortgages coming up for renewal. You pay any attention to the mortgage industry. There's a lot of five-year mortgages, the first wave that are going to be coming up for renewal in Q1 next year. So I think a lot of people are maybe just thinking about how they're spending their money right now.
0: Sure. Now, the other interesting thing about this report, though, some positive news here is some of the Mm -hmm. winners, some of the market segments that actually came out with big gains this year. Yeah,
3: big gains. So week over week numbers, looking at apparel was the biggest winner apparel sales were up 122% on Black Friday versus the previous Friday. And that does serve to reason. Apparel has been a favorite for online purchasing for a long time. It generally indexes above most of the rest of the e-com market. So it's not entirely surprising that it was up 122% over -hmm. the previous Friday, but it did lead the way, and that's great news for all the apparel merchants out there. Another one that did well was luggage, Sure, up 113% Mm -hmm. versus previous Friday. Lots to dig into there. Again, we report the results. We don't necessarily know the reasons for it, but we can surmise on a couple of things. Travel's been on fire this year, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody and their dog's been taking a trip somewhere Mm -hmm. and luggage would seem to be a beneficiary of that. So either people have worn out the luggage because they've (laughs) been so much traveling or they're planning to travel again next year. Maybe a bit of a leading indicator there. I know
0: I'm in the market for a new suitcase. I didn't get one on Black Friday. looks like I should have.
3: (laughs) So there's always
0: Christmas and in third place here we have a cosmetics up 101 percent I guess we can guess about that one too
3: <laughs> yeah you get you have an idea what I don't, I don't want well, to think uh, we were talking
0: about that. yeah people were, are getting out of the house more right and so they need to be done up again <laughs>
3: Absolutely. They're taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe, we're, <laughs> maybe we're starting to turn a corner where people are going to start combing their hair and yeah. brushing their teeth before they leave the house. Yeah, I don't have that issue, but <laughs> but uh, for sure, I think
0: some people may have, have that one. Let's see here. Department stores, pet shops and furniture is still quite up there.
3: Yeah, so department stores at 55% gain over the previous Friday, Mm all furniture up 47% versus the previous Friday and pet shops up 24% versus the previous Friday. So good gains across all of those segments. And again, generally spending across the Moneris network, we got over 300,000 merchant locations, 800 transactions a second and all of that volume. Was up seventeen and a half percent versus the previous Friday. That seven is seven days prior.
0: That is crazy, uh, Sean. I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for all the appearances you've done on the podcast this year. You've been bringing the data and the logic behind the data. I appreciate it, and looking forward to
3: twenty twenty four. Thanks, Al. Have a good holiday for you.
1: news for business owners. Moneris has partnered with Wix to launch an all-in-one e-commerce solution built to help you grow and scale online. With the new Moneris Online, you can combine Wix's website builder with Moneris's payment processing expertise to effortlessly build an online store that is optimized for business and designed to dazzle. Launch your online store today and enjoy no monthly fees for three months and eight free hours of website creation support, a savings of up to seven hundred and sixty four dollars. To learn more, visit go.moneris.com slash online.
0: I'm joined by Kat Hamilton. She's a director of advocacy and campaigns and Wayne Henshaw, who's the agent of change at CNIB. Kat and Wayne, thank you so much for joining me today.
4: Thanks for having us, Al. Thanks very much for having
5: us.
0: I can't imagine anybody wouldn't know what CNIB does, but could you maybe just give me a quick overview of CNIB?
5: The CNIB is the Canadian National Institute of the Blinds. We are an organization, a not-for-profit, that mm-hmm. is oriented all around engaging individuals from the sight loss community. And that term we use to be inclusive because there is intersectionality out there right. of individuals living with both blindness, partial sight, or from the deaf-blind community. So as a national organization, that is our mission and our goal and objectives is to knock down those barriers, right? To change the assumptions that are made about engaging an individual like myself. I am a member of the sight loss community who just happens to also work for CNIB.
0: Now, today you're going to talk about how small businesses can make their business a little more accessible to folks from the sight loss community, from hearing loss community. I I'm, imagine also from mobility challenged uh, folks as well, correct?
5: Yes. You, as you look at it, it is intersectionality because there's not just like an individual, right? Mm -hmm. They have many different things that are going on within their life. So I've identified as part of our conversation here as a member of the sight loss community but I'm so much more. And there may be those instances. I am gently experienced in life, which means I'm just past uh, 50 years of age. That's a great way to put that. I love it. Gently experienced. (laughs) (laughs) But as you look at that, I have a bit of a hip problem. So Mm -hmm. there may be a mobility challenge. So when you look at stairs or access into your business, you want to think about how can people uh, effectively engage? And so those individuals that may be from the sight loss community or from the hearing uh, loss community may also be dealing with mobility challenges, right? If I can
4: just add to that as well, like I'm not someone who currently has a, a disability, mm-hmm. but I think it's really important to remember that if you design things for accessibility in mind, you're often benefiting everyone. No one loves to go on a website that's super clunky and has things whizzing around and you try and click on something and it disappears. And It's really complicated. Mm -hmm. So I think even outside of the disability community, if you are designing your businesses and services with accessibility, you're probably going to benefit everyone in doing so.
0: For sure. I'm just off the top of my head. I'm thinking about one accessibility feature that came in handy during the pandemic. And that's the buttons to open doors, the sensors where you can wave your hand in front of a door to open it. I use that and I have no reason to, but because I'm a germaphobe. So (laughs) it does make it accessible to everyone.
5: Take it one step further when you think about it, as we came through COVID and we continue to evolve and go through the various ways, it, it's being mindful that there are multiple modes. So as you said, the, the buttons, if you can find the buttons, right. so that can often yeah. be a challenge yeah. if there's not some sort of standard or, or consistency in where the buttons are. As a person from the sightless community, it's often hard to find where those buttons are. Sure, But if you try it from another standpoint of what was going away, many people stopped using QR codes. Mm-hmm. During COVID, it came right back into full play. And, right. and as you think about QR codes, our phones now, and, and many Canadians don't leave home without it, so to speak, where they have their smartphone with them. Mm-hmm. But built into the camera function, whether you're on an Apple device or an Android device, built into the phone, built into the camera is the ability to scan the QR code. So, if you're a business owner and you're creating a flyer and it's all on text, why not think about incorporating in the QR code so that an individual like myself can scan that and use my assistive technology? Because maybe I can't see colors, right? Maybe I can't see the font that you're using. Maybe I can't make out the images that are there, right? Because I I can't perceive that. Mm -hmm. But if the QR code allows me to go to a resource that gives me some alternative methods of getting that information, okay, describing that picture or reading back the text that's on on that flyer that you're doing or that menu that you're creating. I was just at uh, Swiss Chalet with my partner mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and that on the table, they had the QR code and I could actually read the menu, which was a first for me, and I could actually pay. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily wanting to pay. I was hoping <laughs> my partner was going to pay. But think about the empowerment as a partner, right? Uh, again, gently experienced where partners were out for, yeah. for an evening and now... I as a consumer, as an enjoyer of the services being offered to me. And so when we think about that, we think about how do we enable more things to be accessible? So Hmm. being descriptive, right, about the images. Don't just put an image up on a flyer or on a menu and assume that everyone is going to know what that means.
0: I love what you're saying there, because I think a lot of people, maybe the misconception is, well, I've got a wheelchair ramp. I've got the the buttons on my door. I'm accessible. But Accessibility, is not just a physical environment, but even if you have an online shop, there are things you can do like the alt tagging of your images so so that the screen readers can take that. And also the beauty of it is, yes, there are some things that do cost a bit of money, uh, but most of the tips you guys are bringing today are either free or very cost effective.
4: Yeah, and I think the alt text is an important one, but I'm thinking as well as small businesses are coming Onto or already are on social media and advertising services that way especially with TikTok and video content as a sighted person like I really noticed because I think a lot of people now who are sighted in general consuming information on the go and you're you might have your browser is minimized and you're listening to a TikTok and if it's just music with someone pointing to various text bubbles right on their video That's you're really missing out yeah exactly same with YouTube ads as well like mm-hmm. normally if I'm watching a video and the ad comes on I walk away and I go and get a drink or I make a coffee and if it's just like a luxury car brands are any really notorious for this it's mm-hmm. just music playing with a car driving down a road then you're missing out on on Getting your brand and your name out there, like it's really important to have audio content within videos as well.
5: I think the added piece that we have to be mindful of is, and and go back to my example, right? So I will remember now that uh, I was able to read the menu and pay the bill, right, at the restaurant that I went into so that the next time we're thinking about going somewhere, I'm likely going to choose that spot that enabled me versus... The spot that didn't enable me, I had a real struggle. It was real frustration, even though the food might've been great, the services might've been great, but if they made it harder, Mm -hmm. we do live in Canada where it is an aging population. There is one in five Canadians live with a visible or invisible disability. So just think about that combined buying power, right? So if you are actively engaging, asking, not assuming you're doing more than just the ramp or the button, right? You are actively engaging in support of the community that you're Mm -hmm. looking to sell to and provide services to, then those are the folks that are going to come back. And it's not just the weans of the world that happen to be from the sight loss community. They're going to be the cats of the world that are working with or colleagues or family members of such individuals.
0: Hmm. Not only are you excluding uh, 20% basically of the population, but if I'm going to a a restaurant with a, a friend who's got a disability, I'm definitely going to the restaurant that's more accessible to that friend. I'm not picking something without consulting them. You got it. Mm-hmm. These are all really great. Are there any other tips, Kat, that you can bring up?
4: I think the one that Wayne raised was a really big one around mm-hmm. asking and not assuming. And I, I think to build that out, there are so many people out there who maybe if you're a small business and you don't understand the law and you're worried, I think it's human nature. Everyone's worried about doing something wrong or offending someone. And I think it's just really important to have it as an ongoing collaborative process. It's a two-way street and you're within your rights as well. If you're not able to meet that need in that exact way, then you're welcome to come back with solutions and say, I can't offer you exactly what you're asking for, but how about X, Y, and Z? And I know small business owners and entrepreneurs already have that solution mindset and that creativity built in. So I think it's just about expanding that out when you're working with your customer base and are continually asking because you might have one blind customer who wants X, mm-hmm. but then when you have your second blind customer, don't think X is what is, works for blind people because... That person's a unique customer right. and they might have a, a different way that they want to be served.
5: And just to go back to how we started off the conversation here today, Kat and I were on here as Ask the Experts, but yeah. as we freely admit to everyone, we, we are just people that are embedded in this as as members of the CNIB staff, but also uh, members of the community. In, in my case, we're actively living this each and every day. But in, in many cases, as Kat just called out, If a small business or a business owner is not quite sure and they need to get some help, then reach out to those organizations, whether it's the CNIB, whether it's the Canadian Hearing Society, et cetera, right? There's many different organizations that serve those individuals from all different uh, walks of life that you can engage. And in some cases, they will have free services. So one uh, resource that we will share here today is uh, called clearingourpath.ca. And that is around the built environment and and helping businesses as they set up their spaces to be more accessible to to individuals from the site loss community as well as others. Mm -hmm. But there's also those social enterprises. So CNIB has a social enterprise called Access Labs. It was formerly known as Frontier Accessibility, where yes, it is a fee for service or where things may turn into a fee for service, but they will answer those questions with you initially and then help you towards that path. And the benefit of engaging those community members or those organizations is the dollars that you are investing are going back into engaging and cultivating individuals like myself from the sight loss community in our programs and initiatives. So it goes full circle as we look at it. And many business owners or community members are looking for that. How does this, how does my dollars come back into the equation? How does it continue to improve the Canada that we all live, work and play in? If uh, somebody wanted to learn more about What CNIB is
0: doing, and and I'm assuming that CNIB has links to these resources, where would they go?
4: I'm going to add a a shameless plug as well for (laughs) CNIB's accessible communities resources. As Wayne mentioned, we have our fee-for-service and different pieces, but we also have a comprehensive webpage with a ton of free resource guides around sighted guide, accessible customer service, materials, you name it, it's on there. I would say as a first step to access that you can go to cnib.ca and go to advocate and it's in our current campaigns. Or if you're lazy like me, you <laughs> can just Google CNIB accessible communities and it will take you right to the correct webpage page to access those resources. Thank you
0: so much, Kat and Wayne, for your time today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> that's all we have for this month, David. Did you learn anything new?
1: Yeah, I really found it interesting to learn how small businesses are sometimes best positioned to give back to the communities and how it's not always about money. Sometimes it's just about time and expertise. Well,
0: it makes perfect sense. What about you? I couldn't believe that by ignoring accessibility, your business could be excluding one in five potential customers. That's 20%. That's
1: huge. It really is an impactful data point. Accessibility is extremely important. Agreed. Now, what's going on next month?
0: Great question. I'm really excited about a new segment we're going to start in January called Merchant Journeys. Uh, We're going to follow an online merchant as they set up with a Moneris Online account to see how that process works and what effect it has on their business.
1: That's a great idea.
0: Thanks. I had a lot of help from our summer intern, Sydney Lupton, for this one. I can't wait to share it with everyone.
1: Something to look forward to in the new year.
0: And speaking of which, that's all we have for this month and for 2023. If you're listening right now and you have any questions about contactless donations, accessibility, or anything else business related, you can email us at podcastatmoneris.com and we'll try to answer them in future episodes. Thank you so much for co-hosting, David. Thank you, Al. Anytime. On behalf of David, myself, and the rest of Moneris, it's just good business saying thank you for listening Have a safe and happy holiday and see you in 2024.